Hey, good morning, Victory. Hey, guys, we got all of our house churches, we got our family all around the world, and we got all of our campuses together today. We are one big family, so come on, let's welcome the whole family in with us today. What's up, guys? Hey, it's good to be home. Some of you are like, hey, who, who's this guy? Um, hey, uh, I'm one of, my name's Johnson. I'm one of the pastors around here. Uh, uh, thank you, guys. I, Summer and I were able to go on sabbatical over the last month. And since I'm finally done with my master's degree, we were actually able to disconnect, get recharged, refueled, ready to go. And uh, I, I actually messaged uh, Pastor Chris uh, Frith up at Hamilton Mill this morning, and I was like, I think I might have forgotten how to preach. It's like, I've been gone for so long. So I'm gonna give it the old college try today, okay? So, uh, hey, if you are one of the Victory family, you're here week in, week out. Just kind of pause just for a second, but I wanna catch you guys up if you are with us for the very first time. And uh, right at the end of last year, God called us to spend much of this year taking a journey through the Sermon on the Mount. And it is the greatest sermon that's ever been preached. Is Jesus's sermon found in Matthew chapter five, Matthew chapter six, Matthew chapter seven. It is three chapters of spirit and life and truth. It is Jesus telling us how to be God's people. Come on, is Jesus telling us how to be kingdom people? If you like, what does this whole Christianity thing look like? The Sermon on the Mount. Matthew chapter five, Matthew chapter six, Matthew chapter seven. And to illustrate how powerful it is, we're not quite there yet, we're still on this journey, but at the end of the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew chapter seven, at the very end, Jesus says, if you'll actually do all these things that we've been talking about, right, over these last three chapters, this, this most, most powerful sermon that's ever been preached, if you'll actually do the things that I've been talking about, then it doesn't matter what life throws at you, you'll still be found standing. Right, And that's ultimately why we're on this journey this year, because every single one of us knows somebody who used to claim Christ, but then at some part, uh, point along the way, they, they unhitched or they detethered, right? They, they started building on something else rather than on God's truth, and then the storm came and their life was washed away, right? But I don't know about you guys, but as far as me and my house are concerned, Come on, we're gonna serve the Lord. We're gonna build on God's truth so that when the storm comes roaring, we'll still be found standing. Come on, that's the journey that we're on. And hopefully that's why you're here today too. And here's what happens. In the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus just starts laying it out, right? He walks through the Beatitudes or the blessed way of living. He then calls us to let our light shine so that others would see our good deeds and glorify our Father in heaven. He tells us that he came to fulfill the law so that we no longer have to live for the minimums of the law, but now we can actually live for the maximums of love. He calls us to love our neighbors, to love our enemies, to love those who persecute us. He calls us to, uh, when, when we pray, Pray and when we give and when we fast and not do it so that other people would see us, but actually only so that God would see us. Then he teaches us how to pray. Come on. And then, everybody say then. 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 Here's what I believe that Jesus is setting us up for in this whole journey. Jesus says, okay, now that I've got you all spiritual, now that I've got you all godly, now that I've got you um, praying and fasting and loving, now I can actually tell you what I really wanna tell you about my 
money. Everybody say money. money. Come on, I believe this. I believe that God knows that we get funny when it comes to money. And that's why Jesus has to preach for a chapter and a half to get us all warmed up so that we can actually hear what he's really saying and telling us about our resources, our, 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 our stewardship, right? And, and, and here's the deal. I know that church people, and especially people out in the world, they get a little skittish, right, whenever we start talking about money in church because maybe we have some previous uh, experiences, but this is good for us. Why? Because they didn't teach us about money in school. They, shouldn't that have at least been one class? You know what I'm saying? Like, they, most of us, we didn't learn about money at home. And most of us don't even learn about money in church because most pastors are afraid of Elder Ken. You know, come on, and his wife, Karen. Getting upset and write a, writing a nasty email to the pastor, right? But, but here's the deal. Come on, here, here's what I know. You know the only people who get upset whenever we talk about money? The greedy people. Right, the people who don't give, right? Like, listen, if you're a giver here today at any campus or anything, if you're a giver, you're amped that we're talking about money, right? If you're not clapping, I'll, let me say it like this. You know the only people who get upset whenever we preach on adultery? I can't believe you talked about that today. You having an affair, bro, you sleeping around. But you'll never, here's the deal, you'll never hear a pastor be like, hey guys, well, I'm sorry, but today we're talking about adultery, and some of you are going to get offended, and this doesn't apply to you if you're a first-time visitor. <laughs> no, listen, today we're talking about money, and this does apply to you if you're a first-time visitor. <laughs> and I don't apologize for talking about money in church. Listen, I do maybe apologize for how you've heard um, some pastors talk about money and the give to get and, and, and you're, you're the only one who's giving and he's the only one who's getting and he flies his helicopter in every single morning. You know what I'm talking about? Like, I apologize for that, but I don't apologize for talking about money in church. Why? Because Jesus talks about money. There's over 2,000 verses in the Bible about money and stewardship and possessions. Pretty much half of the things that Jesus talks about in some way, shape, or form come back to money. Why? Because God cares what you do with what he's given you. And that is why on the shore of the Sea of Galilee at the top of a hill with people gathered around, Jesus gives us a deep dive, half a chapter really, on the power of money. And it's really some of his most powerful words, his most memorable words out of anything that we've ever heard him say. And it begins here in these three verses. Matthew 6, beginning in verse 19. Jesus says, do not lay up for yourself treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal, but lay up for yourself treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is there your heart will be also. Woo! We in for it today. Come on, so how many of y'all need to hear this? Uh, some of you are like, uh, I don't really want to confess that. Others of you are like, dear God, I just got another creditor phone call this morning, right? And, and here's what's been happening, right? For the last three years, everybody's talking about inflation. Everybody's talking about the world's about to collapse. The economy's gonna tank. The stock market's gonna do this. The interest rates are going through the roof. You know what all that stuff is? 
Storms. It's storms. And what Jesus says is if we'll build on the truth, the rock of his words, we're going to actually thrive in the midst of storms. Right? So let's do it his way. But here's the deal. I actually just read it this, this last week. Maybe things are starting to turn. Nobody really knows except for the Lord, right? And the, the handful of people like pulling the strings of our world. But it's okay. <laughs> they, did, they did a study, right? And a survey showed that 79% of middle-income Americans, quote-unquote, think that they'll achieve financial prosperity in the next 10 years. Right, so there's this hope, there's this, it's revealing some of our goals, like what we're really longing to achieve. About four out of five middle income people in America, a lot of this church, right, think that in the next 10 years, I think I'll actually be prosperous. But in the midst of that, listen, I I, I read that that report, and then as I'm reading it, I just kind of hear the faint echoes of the words of Jesus in Luke 12 where he finds this rich man who stored up only for himself. And he says this, you fool, this very night, your life will be demanded from you. In other words, you're about to die. And then who's gonna get what you've prepared for yourself? You've been building bigger barns, having more investment accounts, storing up, storing up, buying for yourself, buying for yourself, buying for yourself. And then what's gonna happen when you die? And this is how it will be with whoever stores up things for themselves, but is not rich toward God. Everybody say rich toward God. Wow, what does that look like? This is what it's gonna look like for anybody who stores up for themselves, just spends on themselves, is so generous to themselves, but isn't rich towards God. Can we just confess for a second that I think we all have a lot to learn when it comes to money, right? Like when it comes to stewardship, when it comes to debt, when it comes to investments, when it comes to generosity, we've all got a lot to learn. What does it look like to be rich towards God, and, and, and here's what I think maybe God's trying to waken us up to here at the very beginning, is that God is not like pro-American dream. Like God doesn't wake up and salute the red, white, and blue and be like, hey guys, life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness, all yours, just get more, 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 more. I know everybody else in the world is dying. It's fine, it's about you. And guys, I believe so much rest on us getting this. All right, half the world, let me just walk this through. Half the world lives on less than $5 a day. Do you know that? A billion people in this world live on less than a dollar a day. We don't think about that, right? Because we just, we just saw the new thing on Amazon that we got to buy. I don't got time to think about that. This is why we need to go on a missions trip, right? The stats, at least, is this. Half of America, at least half of America is going to hell. Let's just be honest about that. (laughs) The latest estimates are around the world. There's still 7,400 unreached people groups who've never even heard the gospel of Jesus Christ. Here at Victory, God has called us to reach a million souls with the gospel of Jesus. 100,000 in our gatherings, 900,000 outside the walls. There there are human trafficking victims to rescue. There are wells to be dug. There are orphanages to be built. There are schools to be constructed. There are children to love and women to rescue and orphans to help and widows to lift up. Come on. One One of my heroes in the ministry says that the gospel is free, but the road it travels on costs money. Right, there are things to do, and that's not even really considering the fact of what what we're even gonna see today is that our own hearts hinge on how we handle money. 
right? Most of our stress is about money. Most of divorces are about money. People trade their lives, people trade their bodies for money. And this is why it's really good to remember that money makes a great servant, but a terrible master. Great servant, terrible master. So here's what we're doing over the next few weeks. We're engaging with the invitation of God to get a different perspective on money. That maybe we'll, get, we'll have a different perspective than we've ever had before. Maybe we'll actually start trusting God with our funds more than we ever have before so that money wouldn't just be a source of stress and selfishness, but maybe money could actually become a source of joy and generosity. How many, come on, let's just pause just for a second. How many of you could even just imagine a time that you think about money and it doesn't stress you out? Ooh, you're like, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. that means you're gonna win the lottery, right? Nah, 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 nah. What if we actually just started handling our resources the way that God has called us to? And we begin here in these three verses, Matthew 6, verse 19. Here's what Jesus says. Do not lay up for yourself treasures. Everybody say treasures. On earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal, but lay up for yourself treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. And if we're ever gonna get God, uh, if we're ever gonna learn how to trust God with the funds, we're gonna have to get God's mind on money. And here's what it looks like. Here's the first truth for us today is that we all have a treasure that we're living for. Every single one of us has a treasure that we're living for. Everybody say treasure, just one more time, treasure. This is a theme. Jesus says it three times in three verses. Um, Over my sabbatical, I read a really good book by a guy named James Smith. I know it sounds like he's in the witness protection program, Um, but uh, it's called You Are What You Love. You are what you love. And he kind of highlights this idea. Here's what he does. He points out that every single one of us has what's called a telos. A telos, and here's what a telos is. A telos is a, an aim, an end goal. It's an, it's an ultimate destination. We are, we are what would be called teleological creatures. Every single one of us is going somewhere. Every single one of us is pointed as a direction. Every single one of us has a destination that we're going to. We have a telos. You could also call it the good life. Every single one of us have a picture. Some of us, it's more clear than others, but every single one of us has a picture of where we're going. Every single picture of one of us has, a, has an idea of where we want to arrive. What's at the end of the rainbow? Where's the, the, the direction of my life pointed? We have things that we wanna achieve. We have things that we wanna accomplish. We have an aim of where we're going. We kinda, even if it's fuzzy, we have this picture of what's out there, right? And for most of us, let's just be honest, for most people in the world, it's the extra vacation home, it's the boat, it's the, the sitting uh, with, with your toes in the sand, the daiquiri in your hand, watching you know, the, the, the people out there work and sweat, and you're just like, there's somebody over your shoulder fanning you, feeding you grapes, <laughs> right? And you got the jet skis over here and the thing. You know, for, for other people, it's finally getting married, for other people, it's finally having children. For other people, it's the, it's the corner office at the headquarters. For, for other people, it's curing cancer. For, for some people, it's standing on a, on a stage and you're being handed the Lifetime Achievement Award and all your, all your peers are clapping for you. And for a tiny handful, 
It's one day hearing, well done, my good and faithful servant, enter into your father's happiness. And, and, but here's the thing, here's the thing. Those aren't all mutually exclusive, right? It's not like you can't have one, you know, you just have to pick. No, there, there are many telos, there are many, you could call them treasures. There are many things out there that we wanna achieve, that we wanna get, that we wanna go for, but every single one of us has what I would call an ultimate telos. We have an ultimate treasure. We have an ultimate destination that's out there. And here, here over, over our uh, sabbatical, um, Summer and I uh, took the boys to Hawaii. Uh, it's rough. Somebody had to do it. Um, they need Jesus too, uh, just, just to let you know. Um, in, in case you're wondering, Hawaii money, yes, I cashed in all my Delta miles. It's all right, guys. It's okay. We did it on a, a budget. Um, and uh, while we were there, I, I was on the balcony uh, one day that overlooked uh, Waikiki Beach. And I saw these like little dots out there and it was right at sunrise. I had gotten up so I could see the sunrise. And I saw all these little dots out there and I noticed it was a surfer. And I look and I'm like, there's a, one, two, three, four, five. I counted 111 surfers out on the water at 6 a.m. Okay. Now that sounds like fun, but it doesn't sound like something I would wanna wake up for at 5 a.m. every single morning. You know what I'm saying? Like they were out there every single morning, like hundreds of people out on their board sitting there and, and they would sit on the board and they would ride the wave in and they'd get up and then they would swim back out for like 10 minutes and they'd sit there, get on the board and they'd ride it back in. It doesn't, listen, that sounds like something that's fun, but it doesn't sound like something I'd wanna wake up for at 5 a.m. every single morning and pack up my car and throw on a wetsuit and drag my board across the beach and swim out 200 yards out into the ocean over and over and be there for a dozen hours every single day, right? But that's their telos. That's their treasure. That's the thing that they dream about. That's the thing that they're like, oh, if I could just do that, that's their treasure. And I think here's a really good question for us today. What's your treasure? What's your telos? What's the goal of your life? Where, where, where is your life pointed? Where are you working towards? What are you saving for? What are you spending towards? Right now, now I mean, for me, I, I've got a number, but I would say here's the top ones. For me, I wanna see my sons, I've got two sons, Jeremiah and Isaac, 18 and 14. I, I wanna see my two sons born again on fire for Jesus, married to women who are born again and on fire for Jesus, raising kids who are born again on fire for Jesus, using their gifts for the glory of God, right? Raising up, training up the next generations to do the same, passing on the generational blessing that they've received to the third, the fourth, the fifth, the 10th generation on down the line. I wanna see Summer and I, passionate, on fire, can't keep our hands off each other at 110 <laughs> for however many years the Lord will give us, right? Like, like, uh, like passionately in love with each other, letting our light shine so that others would see our good deeds and glorify our Father in heaven till death do us part. 
Come on, I, I wanna see victory reach a million souls for the gospel of Jesus Christ. I wanna see more leaders raised up. I wanna see more campuses planted. I wanna see more of God's people here get the, get the greatness emancipated in and through your life for his glory in the world around you. I wanna see more people born again, more communities transformed, more families built, more cultures reconciled, more nations impacted. I wanna see that and be a part of it. And ultimately, my ultimate tell us, my ultimate treasure is that one day when I breathe my final breath, I will open my eyes up and all because of Jesus, I will hear, well done, my good and faithful servant, enter into your father's joy and I will run into the arms of the one who's loved me, cared for me, pursued me, forgiven me, graced me, enraptured me, captured me, uh, loved me beyond all fathom and I will melt into his arms as he wipes away every tear and renews everything and I will enjoy the new creation forever and ever and ever and ever. And that's the good life for me. That's the telos. That's the ultimate treasure. That's what I wanna see. And now here's the question, guys. What's your telos? What's your treasure? What's the good life for you? I'm not gonna let you go this easy. Pull out your phone right now. Across all the campuses, wherever you are, put your phone, whatever you're using to take notes, because I know you're all taking notes. I'm gonna give you 60 seconds. Write down your telos. What you living for? What you spending towards? What's the good life? What's your telos? What's your treasure? Here's the deal, if you don't know then you are a clean slate for the world to tell you what to live for. Just write it down. Take a few more seconds. You're gonna need longer than 60, <laughs> but let this just start the process. What's my telos? What's my treasure? What's my ultimate aim? What's my ultimate goal? What's the good life that's out there that I have a picture of that one day, if all else fails, if I can have that, everything's gonna be okay. Okay, that's a good start, but I got more sermon to preach. All right, so pause, you can come back to it later. Our answer to the question of what our telos is, what our treasure is, what the good life is, it's so important because um, this philosopher, Alasdair McIntyre, here's what he said. He said, I cannot answer the question, what I, ought I to do unless I first answer the question of which story am I a part? Does that make sense? The story that you're a part of determines how you live in that story and fulfill that story. So what we need to do, we need to start getting our arms and our minds and our hearts around what's the treasure, what's the story, what's the big idea, what's the ultimate telos, where am I actually trying to go in this life, what's the big story? Because here's the deal, do I belong to the story where God rules and reigns, or do I belong to the story where I rule and reign? And the answer to that question will determine how I live, how I love, how I think, and how I spend my money. Why? Because the first idea is that every single one of us has a treasure that we're living towards. Here's the second truth for today, is that our heart then follows our treasure. 
Our heart will follow the treasure that's out there. Here's what's wild about TELUS. Here's what's wild about the treasure. Here's what's wild about the the vision of the good life, right? Is that it sometimes overtly, but usually subconsciously impacts every single decision that we make in life, right? Because here's what you do. You make decisions based off this fuzzy idea of where you're going, right? And we don't even stop to think about it. Because most of us think that we all have the same telos. We all have the same treasure, but we don't, right? And so what happens is we have this vision of the good life out there, whether we've articulated or not, and subconsciously we make decisions that will move us in that direction. Why? Because our heart follows our treasure. Here's what I mean. We make decisions of whether or not to get married based on our telos. We make decisions on who to marry. We make decisions on whether or not to have kids. We make decisions on what type of job to work. We make decisions on whether or not I'm gonna be cutthroat for the promotion or I'm gonna live my life as a missionary based on the telos. We we make decisions on do I move out of town for the new job or do I stay right here? We, We make decisions about who our relationships are, who we're friends with. We make decisions whether or not we're gonna be a part of a church or not right? Based on our telos. We make decisions especially about how we spend our money based on what our treasure is. And that's why Jesus says this again, Matthew 6, 21, for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Here's what this means. Wherever my vision of the good life is, the momentum of my life will be pointed there. Whether I realize it or not, subconsciously, I'm making all my decisions to get there. Here's what I mean, guys, is is when you see somebody take a job that is so obvious, it's going to hurt their family, it's going to hurt their walk with God, now they can't come to church or what, you know, whatever it is, and you're like, what are you doing? You don't know what you're doing. Very likely, they do know what they're doing. They just have a different treasure than you do. They have a different aim or goal or good life than you do. And so you see it as a bad thing. They actually see this decision as a good thing because they're living for something different than you are. Here's what I mean, guys, that our heart will follow our treasure. Those 111 surfers out there at 6 a.m., they didn't just start like that, right? They saw a movie. They saw Point Break one day. Come on, with surfers in it. <laughs> they, 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 they got invited out by somebody and they sat on the waves and they were like, whoa, right? And then what did they do? They bought a board, And then they bought a wetsuit. And then they bought the car carrier. And then they found a job that would allow them to miss the mornings. And then they created a family where it was okay for them to be absent. Their family, their life, their finances, their heart followed their treasure. Because ultimately, here's what Jesus is saying, guys. This whole thing is a game of chase. Wherever our telos is, our heart will chase it. And as our heart chases it, here's what we can't deny, is that there is a string attached from our heart to our bank account. There is a string, listen, there is a string, and then on the other side, there's a string attached from that dollar to your heart. Right, That what I spend on, what I give to, where I allocate my resources creates momentum in my life. So as I spend on something, my life starts getting formed in that direction. 
And here's what I've discovered. Here's what I've discovered. Here's how I say it, guys. Is that the things we do also do something to us too. That nothing we do is neutral, right? Everything we do creates momentum. The currency has a current, right? There's movement. Whenever we give to something, it starts forming us in that direction. So here's what that means. If you want to care about something, spend money on it. Because you're being formed in that direction, right? When I, I don't know if this has ever happened to you. When I was in high school, um, my, my parents told me that they took some of my college money and they invested it in Home Depot. I don't know anything about that stuff. And I'm just a kid, but I'm telling you, I became a kid like stockbroker instantly, right? I'm waking up every morning, I'm putting my suit on, saying goodbye to the wife, you know, kiss them goodbye, going to the market. And I open up my newspaper because we didn't have internet back then, by the way. And um, I opened up the newspaper to the, the previous day's report and uh, I, I scroll thumb through while I'm drinking my coffee, right? And, and I find Home Depot and I don't know anything except a green arrow up is good, red arrow down is bad. And if it was up, I was up. And if it was down, I was down. Why? Because let's carry it all the way up. I had a vision of the good life where that investment paid for my college. And so my heart followed that. My time followed that. I wanted to be like, hey, can we just go to Home Depot and spend some money? Like, so this thing will go up, like, right? The momentum where I started putting my money in or their money into that treasure, into that goal, my heart started being formed in that direction. The momentum of my life started going here. Why? Because there's strings attached. Nothing we do is neutral. The things that we do also do something to us too. In other words, listen, if you spend a lot of money on a car, now you're a car guy. I guarantee it. I guarantee it. You're gonna be parking in the back of the parking lot. Like walking around it before you get back in, right? Reading the threads on how do, how do I do my mod kits, Right? My engine tweaks. Listen, if, if, if you spend a lot of money on shoes, you'll become a shoe guy. Ask me how I know. Point your money towards heavenly things, and you'll become a heavenly person. Why? Because the things we do do something to us too. Listen, listen, listen. I'm just gonna say this as plain as I can. If you want to love God more, spend your money on the things that God loves. And the momentum of your life will start moving towards God. The first time I ever gave um, in a way that hurt was in college, right? I never really had a significant job before, but I was waiting tables in Athens at Outback. And I had actually uh, just um, come out of the Sunday where Pastor Dennis was preaching on tithing. Never heard a message on tithing before in my memory. And Summer and I were on the phone and talking about it. I, I remember this very vividly. I'd just gotten off the shift for that evening and I'm walking out the, the, the side door to go to my car. We're talking on the phone and somehow we just start talking about the message and about tithing. And I made a decision that day, I'm gonna start tithing. And that was 1999. And I have never not tithed on a paycheck since then. And 
I, but what, what, what it is, I, here's what we always say. If you can be a tither, then you can be a giver. But you'll never be a giver if you can't start being a tither. And I, I tithe when I had very little, so now I can tithe when I have more. But what I do, I look at the momentum of my life over the last 24 years. That as I, I was in a season then, especially where I was like, man, I wanna, I wanna care more about the things of God. And I'm just telling you guys this. Some of you, you can attest from this in your own life. As I started giving towards the things that God loves, I, my love started being formed in the direction of God. I started to care more about the things of God. The, the, I, I started seeing the love grow, and, the, and I'll tell you, the blessing grow, and, and the passion grow, and the interest grow. And I, I was a part of here, and I was giving like towards the building funds, and I start seeing going up. I'm like, I did that. I did that, right? No, I was a part of that. Like, and, but, but I started loving the things that God loves. Why? Because the things that you do do something to you too. And currency has a current, and it's as you spend, it's forming the things you love. And here's what I'm telling you today. Guys, your telos, your treasure, the vision of the good life is connected to your heart, which is connected to your bank account, which is connected to your money, which is connected back to your heart, which is connected back to your treasure. That they're all connected together. These are not disconnected ideas. What I'm telling you is what you value and where you are going will influence your decisions, which will influence your money, which will then form you further and further into the direction to gain momentum into the, the telos of your life. Because every single one of us has a treasure that we're living for. And then our heart will follow that treasure. And here's the third thing, the last thing that God's gonna tell us today is this is that each one of us ultimately has two bank accounts. Okay, I, I, I wanna make sure that you, that, that you hear me say this, okay? That it's not a problem to buy things. Some of y'all are waiting for the shoe to drop. Be like, so sell everything you have, give it to the poor, and then go follow Jesus. Some of you might need to do that. I don't know. Most of us don't. Every single one of us has to buy things on a daily basis. I'm not trying to make you paranoid about that. Um, I'm not even telling you that you can't have the vacation home and the jet skis and the boat and the extra car and all that sort of stuff. I'm not, because here's the deal. I know a lot of us, when we don't have very much money, we're super critical on the people who do have money. A lot of the people who do have money, who do have the jet skis and the home and all that sort of stuff, they're way more generous than everybody else, right? And so God's been able to bless them with, with those things because they won't take control of their life because money is a great servant, but it's a terrible master. Right? You understand that you can be poor and be a servant to money and you can be rich and, not, and, and money serves you. Right? It's, it's possible to do those things. So, uh, I'm, we're not here to demonize possessions over the course of these few weeks. Here's what I am saying though, is that every single one of us needs to pause and ask where your treasure is. Why am I buying this thing? Is the purchase that I'm about to make Here's a real question, okay? Is the purchase I'm about to make, is it actually taking me towards the vision of the good life that I say I want? Because a lot of us spend money on things that we don't ultimately love and where we're ultimately going. And what happens is the problem is our heart begins to follow that and it can actually create counter counterfeit loves in our lives. And sometimes we need to just kind of take a step back and pause and be like, hey, it's not a problem to buy things, but are the things that I'm buying actually investing in my kingdom or they investing in God's? Because here again is what Jesus says in verse 19. He says, don't lay up for yourself treasures on earth. Everybody say treasures on earth. Treasures. 
where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourself treasures in heaven. Everybody say treasures in heaven. Where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in and steal. And here's essentially what Jesus is saying. He's saying that every single one of us has two bank accounts. We have a bank account here and we have a bank account there. We have a bank account on earth and we have a bank account in the bank of heaven. It's fully insured, <laughs> I promise you. <laughs> and, and I've been doing this thing long enough. Listen, that one of the greatest tragedies that I see time and time again, I'm just gonna put it out there, is when, um, when we see somebody pass away and then we learned that they spent their whole life, all their money on these little hobbies or these little trinkets. Like I can't tell you how many like Coke bottle collections Right, the little dolls, the little houses. Okay, listen, listen, fine, 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 fine. Some of you are like, I can't believe he's talking about my houses. <laughs> Got them all in my little case, right? Now listen, listen. When our whole life has been spent accumulating and then your family has to come in and take what you spent $500,000 on and they sell it for five bucks at the thrift market, Or when we accumulate more and more and more and more and more, and then one day our life is demanded of us, and then the government gets it. Or we build up bigger and taller and taller and taller and taller while everybody else has little. We have much, we have much, and then fire, poof, it's gone. One bad day on the stock market, boom, it's gone. And what it does, it reveals that we've been storing up here where moth and rust destroy and where people in white houses come and take it. And the stock market can evaporate it in a second. But what you give to God and the things God loves, those things will never fade. Listen, listen, listen. I'll start where God says to start. When you give in tithes, when you give in offerings, when you give to projects around here, when you give to your neighbor or to the needy, when you spend to go on a mission trip or you provide for somebody else to go on a mission trip, when, when, when you do things to build your family, when you leave an inheritance to your children, when you give out loans to others who can't, where a bank wouldn't, you could, and so you're giving them a hand up to provide them a dignified way forward. I, and you can go on and on and on when you're giving to the poor, when you're giving to the widow, when you're giving to the orphan, when, when you're fostering, when you're adopting, when you're spending your resources. Listen, you can go on and on and on. But here's the thing. When you're giving towards the things that God loves, it'll never evaporate. Fire can't touch it. The stock market doesn't matter what's happening here. It doesn't matter if the IRS comes calling. They can't touch the things that have been given to God. And here's the question. Am I using these finances, these resources to glorify God and to enjoy him forever? And if so, you're storing up treasures in heaven. And listen, guys, I love this. I love this because Jesus is so subtle in a lot of the things that he does. He's subtly reminding us that we're going to heaven. I'm telling you here today. If you confess Jesus Christ as Lord and believe, if you confess with your mouth Jesus as Lord, believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, if you've thrown your life on Jesus, then one day you're going to heaven. Because of Christ alone, you are going to heaven. Your sins are washed as white as snow. You will be welcomed in to the new creation. 
And that's why Hebrews 11 reminds us of the heroes of the faith who lived a different way because they remembered that this world was not their home. Heaven was their home. And sometimes we need to remember that. And here's a great, great thing, guys. How much would it change your life? Okay, I'm, gonna, I'm just gonna Jesus juke you just for a second. I'm gonna plant this thought and you're gonna hate me for it later, okay? When you, the next time you pull out your credit card to buy that thing, whatever that thing is, here's a really good question. I'm going to heaven one day. Do I really need that? Sorry. Now here's the deal. Spend it. I don't know. That's between you and the Lord. But what I am saying is you have two bank accounts. And you're going to heaven because of Jesus. And one day you will be able to enter into the reward of the monies that you sent ahead. One of, one of, one of my favorite um, book series of all time, I'm actually giving you multiple books today. One of my favorite book series of all time, such an easy read, is called Chronicles of Heaven. I tell everybody about this. It's by a man named Gene Edwards. Chronicles of Heaven. What it is, it's kind of fiction, nonfiction. And what it is, now you're all gonna go buy it when I say this, but it's, um, it's these little short books, but it's Genesis through Revelation through the eyes of the angels. And uh, it tells the story at the beginning about God's first creation, which is an angel named Recorder. And Recorder is the angel who's written everything down that has ever happened. He's the one who has the book of life. He's written down the remembrance, the, the record of everything that's happened. And it makes me think about this, Malachi 3.16. It says, then those who feared the Lord spoke with each other, and the Lord listened to what they said. In his presence, in God's presence, a scroll of remembrance was written to record the names of those who feared him and always thought about the honor of his name. Here's what I need to tell you guys. Whenever you give towards the things of God, whenever you store up your treasures in heaven, he sees. And recorder writes a scroll of remembrance about it. Listen, what you give will never be forgotten. It will not vanish. God sees, God remembers, and a scroll of remembrance is written in his presence. The apostle Paul said it like this, that these things are being credited to your account. And you will enter into the joy of it one day. I don't know if you think about that. I think about that sometimes. Is that one day there will be people to greet me who are in heaven because of how my family gave. And, and I think there's an invitation today to start thinking like that. And it's because of that, Charles Spurgeon says this. He says, time is short. Eternity is long. It's only reasonable that this short life be lived in the light of eternity. And this whole thing today, and even for the next few weeks, is an invitation to use our time on earth to store up in heaven. And what Jesus is doing today is he's inviting us to maybe redefine our good life. Because where your treasure is, your heart will be, which is attached to your money, which then attached back to your heart, which informs you in the direction of the things that you say that you love. And I'm just here today to say this, guys. If your ultimate telos, if your ultimate treasure, if your ultimate vision of the good life is anything other than life forever with God and God's kingdom come and God's will being done here on earth as it is in heaven, then I wanna remind you what St. Augustine said. He said, 
God, you have made us for yourself and our heart is restless until it finds rest in you. God, you've made us for yourself and our heart is restless until it finds rest in you. In other words, outside of Christ, we will look for joy and possessions. We'll try and store it more and more. Let me ask you this, guys. How much do you have to have to finally be happy? Why do you think that the richest people, the most popular people still commit suicide? Because no amount of possession, no amount of recognition, no amount of pleasure will suffice if Jesus isn't your ultimate treasure. It won't. Our hearts were made for God alone. And it's only when he becomes our ultimate joy that everything else comes into focus. And I'll share this last quote with you. John Piper said this. He said, every person or thing we trust will eventually fail us, except for Jesus. Only he can bear the full weight of our hope. (laughs) And when life with Christ becomes your ultimate treasure, your ultimate telos, your ultimate good life, you will begin thinking different and you'll begin living different, you'll begin loving different, and then you'll begin spending different, and you'll begin giving different, you'll begin stewarding different. You'll actually start seeing debt as your enemy, and you'll start investing more in God's kingdom and what's there more than your kingdom and what's here. And then this momentum begins forming inside your soul because the things that you do also do something to you and your love gets formed and your love starts going alive. And let me just remind you of this as we close, guys. You're going to heaven one day. You're gonna see God face to face. Let's start handling our money today in light of that day. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's bow our heads real quick. Let's pray. Oh, Father, you have made us for yourself and our heart is restless until it finds rest in you. God, you have made us for yourself and our heart is restless until it finds rest in you. God, you have made us for yourself. Our heart is restless until it finds rest in you. God, we're here today to confess that we've looked for rest in things. It's even what happens with Jesus and the temptation. The devil comes to him and promises all these possessions and goods and luxuries if he'll just deny God. And God, today we remember that no house, no pleasure, no vacation, nothing tangible we could ever hold here on earth will satisfy the longing of our soul. Everything God will rust fade, burn, or be stolen. God, but the things of heaven, God, the eternal things, God, the things that you love, the blessings that we can do, God, they're eternal. And so, God, today our hearts want to find rest in you once again. 
I think this is a really good question for us right here, just to examine our hearts, just for another minute before we leave. Just to answer this question. Does my actual spending line up with what I say is my treasure, with what I say is my telos, with what I say is the vision of the good life that I have? If I actually say I'm a part of God's story, does the way I handle my money line up with that truth? See, guys, I think there's a lot of soul searching we need to do on the other side of today. I'm actually tithing. Am I giving to the things that God loves? Am I helping my neighbor? Am I leaving something for my children? Am I, am I sending people on missions? Am I supporting missionaries? Am I, am I caring for the orphan and the widow? Am, am I doing the things that God loves? Am I actually pointing my resources in those directions because it's forming my heart and my loves? Is what am I spending on actually say, actually part of what I say I care about? here's what I want us to do, okay? Let's pick up our heads. And I wrote this out, and I'd love for us to do this across all the campuses and across all the world today. So I wrote this confession out. If we can just say this together, it'll just take us a minute here. Put this up here. I want us to read this together, okay? Let's say this. Father, we confess we haven't been good stewards of the resources you have given us. We have spent our money on lesser things, which has pulled our hearts away from you. Our vision of the good life has been formed more by the world than by your word. And today we repent. We know that wherever our treasures are, there our hearts will be also. So help us to care more about storing up treasures in heaven than we do storing up treasures on earth. We wanna care about heavenly things. We wanna love you more than our stuff. So today, we commit anew to be better stewards over the money you've entrusted to us. We commit to use our money for the better bank account, for the things that moth and rust cannot destroy. May we and the world around us be better and more blessed because of how we spend, give, invest, and steward our money. And in the process, form us into more loving, passionate disciples of Jesus Christ. Help us to remember we will not only see you face to face one day, but we will also see all those who have been blessed by our generosity. May we never forget these things. In Jesus' name, amen. God, seal these things in our heart today. May we understand that every single one of us is living towards a treasure, that our heart is following it, and we ultimately have a choice to store up here or to store up there. And may we live this way, and we, may we never forget that one day we're gonna see you face to face. May that impact everything we do, say, how we live, how we give, how we steward, even today for the glory of God. And we pray this in Jesus' matchless name. And everybody said, Amen, amen. Come on, let's give glory to God.